0: encourage you to turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, text I'm reading this morning and preaching from is uh, verses 22 through 35. And as you're turning there in your own Bibles, I I do want to reiterate, and Josh mentioned this in the announcements, just the importance of just being in the Word of God daily or routinely. Um, The Bible reading plans are a great help to that. And uh, I... uh, I commend them to you, whatever method you use to get, uh, get into the Bible. It's great. I think I just want to just pitch the idea of reading the entire Bible. It will feed your soul in a way that um, just kind of cherry-picking pieces of Scripture will not because you get the whole story, the whole story of Scripture, and that's, uh, that's good for us. So we encourage you start the new year with a, with a Bible reading plan. And as Josh said, if you fall behind, it's actually a very forgiving plan, the one I use. It's 25 days in a month. And uh, so if you read 25 days in the month, you can read through the whole Bible in a year. So anyway, Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 35. Let's give our attention to the word of God as it is read. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him, that is Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. This is God's word. Would you join me in a prayer? We may prepare to hear from the Lord. Father in heaven, we need to hear from you. We need your word planted in our hearts. We know that that word is living and active. It is powerful such that the very thing that it commands, it also accomplishes. And and so we pray that you would give us willing and attentive hearts. Father, that we may be moved and changed, that our priorities might be realigned. And for those who are as yet outside of your people that today, today indeed would be an occasion where your spirit would open their eyes to see Jesus for who he is. So our aim this morning, Father, is to, to bring glory to your name by exalting Jesus, your son, in whom is all of our hope. So speak to us, we pray. And Father, as a mere man, I cannot accomplish anything of eternal and lasting value. So we know that we need to hear a voice beyond mine. So be that voice. Be here and speak. For the glory of Jesus. Amen. You may have seen that 2007 feel-good movie. It was starring Jack Nicholson and, and Morgan Freeman. It really told the story of a, of a friendship that, that developed through a series of shared experiences. Things to do, before dying from a terminal illness. Now, it's a matter of personal opinion. I've probably shared this. Uh, I'm not really kind of hip to these bucket lists that people have. I, I guess I've been a little critical. It's really so named for the, the list of w- things that one wants to do before they kick the bucket, which has its own etymology and, and source of, uh, uh, in terms of the meaning of that, it's kind of gruesome. But I would say this, as as Christians, I I can't imagine any experience in life that could even hold a candle to the glorious existence with the Lord, so a bucket list seems a little bit kind of lame in some sense. However, however, I'm not condemning it. If you have one, that's, that's fine. What I can, however, appreciate is a kind of bucket list that seeks to do good, to accomplish something of a holy ambition in the time that you have left in life. And so, as I was thinking about Simeon, I guess you can say that he had a bucket list with one item. And he had it on divine authority that before he died, he would see the Christ with his own eyes. That was Simeon's great expectation and his satisfaction. And this morning, what I want to do is look at how that expectation is satisfied For us too. A little bit about Simeon. I I think uh, when you read the story, I think we assume that he is old. That it's not required in the text, but it's assumed, and we don't know how old he was. Uh, Some suggest that he was at the temple, and the reason for being there was that he was in the priestly class, though that's not necessary either. But what the text does tell us is that he was righteous and devout meaning that he lived his life in such a way that he longed for the word of God and the promises in it to be fulfilled. He was trusting the Lord, and so being righteous, the law mattered to him. He wanted to be a, live a holy life as a faithful Jew, looking at the scriptures and seeing those messianic expectations filled his heart with joy and hope and hopefulness. That's where his confidence was. That's what made him righteous and devout. And we're told in the text that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And we'll get into that in a moment. But he had a revelation about the Messiah that the Holy Spirit had given to him, that he would see the Lord's Christ. And, and at just the right time, the Holy Spirit urged him, in fact, to go into the temple. At that time, when Jesus would be brought there by, the text tells us, his Father and mother, of course, that's how he was... Uh, he w- they were, Joseph and Mary were viewed as, as the, the father and mother of Jesus, though, of course, we know from the story that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. But just at the right time. And when there, and when he saw the baby, the Spirit rec- caused him to recognize that's the one, and he took the baby in his arms and blessed the Lord and then Mary. So as we briefly and I made that commitment last week, briefly consider this passage. I really have two words from the text that I want to use as headings just to kind of uh, find some application and, and uh, really understand where this is going. Two words. First word, consolation, and the second word, sword. First of all, consolation. That, the word consolation is kind of, well, it's tainted to me a little. It, it's something that, that feels like second best, right? You know, like the TV game show. There's two contestants, and after the, the game, one goes home with a trip to a five-star resort, resort in some tropical island and a brand new car, right? Then the other one goes home for, with dinner for two at, you know, Olive Garden. <laughs> now, who doesn't like endless soup and salad? But it's not an exotic vacation in a car, right? It's a consolation prize for the one who feels bad that she didn't win. Now... That's not the consolation we're dealing with in the text, right? Consolation here is actually a good thing. A good thing that comes as a result of something that's been bad. So a parent, a parent consoles the little toddler with the healing kiss on the owie. It's consolation, right? Or or gives a hug of encouragement to the, the child who is bullied at school, assuring him it'll be okay. Or that grieving family is met with cards and, and calls and, and meals and, and the presence of friends. All these expressions of grace are consoling. Well, in our text, we're told that Simeon was he was waiting for this consolation of Israel. So what was so bad? To be consoled from what? It's a little history, and probably know this, but since the fall of Jerusalem to Babylon. This is around 587 B.C. and their subsequent captivity. Israel had not been an independent nation with their own king. It had not been the case. They had been occupied people. And to be sure, the messianic hope for many in Simeon's day in first century, what we would call Israel in Judea, I'm sure for many their messianic hopes were very political because to that at that point the romans ruled over those territories formerly known as israel what had been the southern kingdom of judah was now a roman province called judea but we got to understand this jews knew that that situation with roman dominance it was not right they longed for the day when it would again be like and in their minds and knowing the scriptures again, be like the time of David, that collective memory that they had that was passed from generation to generation, that time when their territory was was secure, right, when they they were able to defeat their enemies because God gave them victory. They felt at that time, and they they read from the, the Scriptures, that time when Israel was favored by God, And they had been indeed the envy of other nations. Now, I I can't rule out here that Simeon had a hope for the restoration of the land, but I take it that there was much more for Simeon. See, the time of David was not only one of national unity and strength, that's true, but it was a time when Israelites lived in obedience to the law of God. That mattered to Simeon because he was righteous and devout. When when people all around observed the festivals, the law mattered. God was their God. The temple was his dwelling place in the midst of them, and they honored him. Perhaps it was a little idealized, but, but certainly Simeon longed. For that. That's what he wanted most. And so him waiting for the consolation of Israel was not just a desire to be comforted from suffering. Like, God, would you take away the Roman dominance? See, from the rabbinical teachings about Messiah, comforter or consoler was a kind of title for Messiah, the consoler, the comforter. And now looking at the baby Jesus Simeon saw in him the one, the very one who would restore Israel to faithfulness to God. So, uh, back in our text, that Matthew tells us here that the Spirit led Simeon to the temple, just that same time as we talked about, while Joseph and Mary arrived for their own consecration rite. And when Simeon saw Jesus, he blessed the Lord. He directed a a good word to the Lord, an honor, an expression of praise and gratitude and said, my eyes have seen your salvation. So the question I'm asking is who needs to be saved? The consolation of Israel is their salvation. The one who needs to be saved is the one who is straying, the one who is lost or dying, and, and Simeon saw that Israel needed that. And it was a Holy Spirit-inspired blessing. So, yes, it was for Simeon, but it was also for Mary and Joseph, and it was written down. And so it was for us, too. For Simeon's personal benefit, if you will, it was a blessing offered to the Lord, and he's acknowledging before God that everything that he has lived to see, everything, has, is bound up in this, in this person, it's been satisfied in, and embodied in this weeks-old baby, everything that he'd longed for. And that blessing that he, that he gives provides this description of what that salvation looks like. Verse 32, you can look at that. Two two things, but they're related. A light for revelation to the Gentiles. Glory to your people, Israel. Simeon is saying to the Lord, blessing the Lord, I see what you're doing. This one is a light for revelation to the Gentiles. This is glory to your people. And that declaration in that moment was really an answer to an age old question. Why did God, we got to you know, back up here in the history, why did God call Abraham and set him apart to be a father of a special people? I'll remind you of the covenant that the Lord God made to him Genesis 22. I will surely, the Lord said, I will surely bless you. And I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. Skipping down verse 18. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And I, I take it that as Simeon looked on this baby Jesus, he understood that that word was fulfilled right then and there. The glory The glory of the people Israel was in their special relationship with God. And everything, everything that was revealed to them over the centuries through the prophets was ultimately pointing them to expect a person. That person, one anointed, that's what Christ means, Messiah, anointed of God. One anointed of God who would be a prophet to speak the truth. An anointed priest to mediate that relationship with God an anointed king to rule and defend, bring glory to the people of God. But as Simeon saw it, and as God's promise to Abraham made clear, that benefit was not meant to be for Israel alone. Abraham's offspring, in his offspring, all of the nations of the earth would be blessed. All the nations, not just Israel. Israel was meant then to be a, a light to the nations. But of course, if we read through the history, we see that they, they failed in that. The blessings they received, they neglected, and the, and the God who, who set them apart, they forgot. And they, they turned so many times to dead idols, idols of wood and stone things that could not save, things that could not speak. But in all of that, in all of that history, that didn't thwart God's saving purposes for his people. Take you to Isaiah 52:10 says this, The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations. All the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Simeon saw Jesus and was consoled. He saw in him the satisfaction of everything that he ever wanted and needed. And so I ask you this morning, friends, is Jesus your consolation? Do you see in him the ultimate satisfaction for everything that you need or would want let me ask you how does he rate in your list of things that you cherish most it's an important question I encourage you to ponder that second the word i have here is a sword a sword Uh, For both of my son's weddings, my only involvement in the ceremony was the opportunity to say a blessing. And we've talked about this, but a blessing is simply expressing a desire for God's favor to be on someone. So my blessing was that Kathy and I wanted our sons to love their wives sacrificially and to model their marriage after the example of Christ and his bride, the church. Blessings, of course, are meant to be good words, words that you want to hear. Oh, I like that. Thank you. That's that's good. I'll take that to heart. Now, verse 34 says that Simon blessed them. So this is after blessing the Lord. He turns to the, the couple, Mary and Joseph, and he blesses them. But if you can see this, what follows doesn't seem like much of a blessing, does it? It feels a little jarring and cutting. And in fact, Simeon uses the word sword to describe what Mary will eventually experience. That said, I, I want us to see why it was a blessing that was far bigger than Mary and Joseph. That blessing was for all who would truly welcome Jesus as Messiah. So first, we see in 34, Simeon says, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. If you follow Jesus, I don't mean in your own faith, but if you follow the story of Jesus as presented through the Gospels, you see he is a man who, as John described in his prologue, came to his own and his own people did not receive him. And true, many followed jesus many were lifted out of disease and and demon possession but many more many more we see at the end the religious leaders they utterly rejected him and he was executed now quoting the prophet isaiah from chapter 28 16 and 17 the apostle peter in his first letter Helps us to understand this rising and falling imagery. 1 Peter 2, 6 through 8. Remember, again, he is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. So Peter explains it. 1 Peter 2, 6 through 8. Behold, says the Lord, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Now, if you don't know, Jesus in this figuratively is a cornerstone. And verse 7 then is Peter's explanation. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, and he continues the quote from the prophet, for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And indeed, Jesus became that stone of stumbling and that rock of offense to so many who ultimately were gathered around the courtyard of Pilate, crying out, crucify him crucify him, let his blood be on us. That falling, death, through rejecting Jesus as Messiah, as Simeon says, a sign that is uh, opposed. But then on the good news side, rising, rising to eternal life through believing in him, So this is a wonderful blessing for everyone whose hope is fixed on God and in Him fulfilling His promises. But it is condemnation for all who reject Him. Then Simeon gives this, what looks like a, well, it's in brackets, parenthetical remark in verse 35. He looks to Mary, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Again, as a blessing, it doesn't sound hopeful, and it's certainly a little challenging here, and I take it really that it refers to Mary coming to realize that Jesus' messianic mission would ultimately bring his suffering and death. Now, what Mary would come to understand is what each of us needs to know. Jesus' suffering and death, that's vicarious. It means that's in our place. And that's the bad news, good news aspect of this blessing. Mary would come to see that her son would be her savior, that the only way that she and anyone else could find favor with God, true consolation of the soul, The only way that anyone could find that would be that He would carry in His own body, He, Jesus, would carry in His own body the due punishment for our sin. The only way that we'd find consolation. As 2 Corinthians 5.21, I quote it often. For our sake, He, that is God, made Him, that is Jesus, to be Sin, who knew no sin. He made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now that's hideous and glorious all at the same time. It's hideous what injustice was done to the Son of God. But it is glorious in what righteousness has been given to us in him. And so the effect of Jesus' suffering, it's on display. You either either receive it or you reject it. So that, as Simeon continues, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. What, What thoughts from hearts? Again, how people saw and how people today see Jesus is it genuine faith in him or is it rejection and that rejection is sometimes clothed in religiosity dead religion kind of a cultural celebration of Jesus as the sweet little baby in the manger innocent but then after Christmas I just go on with my merry life and do what I want that rejection can be clothed in this sort of religious garb that's fake. The life, suffering, and death of Jesus divided people 2,000 years ago. We saw that. And that fact, that fact still reveals the hearts of men today. And friends, that is what the world is confronted with. Some are hostile to Jesus. Jesus. Most people ignore Him. And a small number, and I pray that's all of us here today, a small number, believe. So the question is, where do you stand? So is Jesus your consolation? Is His advent the satisfaction of your greatest longing? There's a myriad of things that compete for your affections. You know that. Is he more to you than your possessions? Probably that's an easy one. Is he more to you than your plans? Maybe a little harder. Is he more to you than your dearest loved ones in the world? He must be. He alone is most worthy to be your consolation and let me ask you this has the sword of conviction pierced your own soul do you need to see your own do you do you see your own need for a savior in jesus mary's soul was pierced because jesus was pierced for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities And the only appropriate response that will be to your eternal consolation, comfort, and satisfaction is, and this is the piercing, is to repent of your sin and turn to Christ in faith and embrace that gift of eternal salvation that is available only in Him. And having done that, and again, I pray that this is all of us in this room, having trusted Him. Live each and every day, not just Advent season, not just Christmas, not just Sundays when we gather, each and every day in gratitude for that indescribable gift of grace that we celebrate in the Advent of Jesus Christ. May your hearts overflow with the joy of your salvation in Christ alone. He is our eternal consolation. Let's pray. Father, we have not the words to express the gratitude for what you have accomplished in us. Through faith, through your spirit opening our eyes to see Jesus for who he is as your son, perfect God-man, crucified in our place raised on the third day and ascended to your right hand where he now intercedes for us. Father, we see him for who he truly is because you have opened our eyes and we thank you for that. And we know that for all eternity, gratitude for your immeasurable grace will be our song. So Father, help us. Help us to begin now, if we have not already, to to use this day and every day that follows as an opportunity to thank you to thank you for your goodness to us and eternal life and fellowship with you through Jesus Christ, Savior, Lord, and King. We pray this in his name. Amen.